I ascribe to the notion of hermetic wisdom, which is that, you know, we live in a mental universe. And so if it's a mental universe, then the only thing in this mental universe is, you know, that could be opposing you is yourself, right? As a you, mental- You are your construct. own limitation. Yes, basically. because, yeah. and I firmly believe that too. You know, I believe that the only real obstacles that we face in life are the ones we allow ourselves to continue to believe in. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Otto Gomes Crypto Show. My name is Otto Gomes. I am your host. Today, I am super excited. I haven't seen this dude in so many, so much months, so many months. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say so many years, but mm -hmm. it's been like a year and a half or so. Mm -hmm. uh, Robert Edward Grant, thank so you, sir. So good to sir, see you, for, Otto. How are you? It's it's amazing to see you. I'm so grateful for your time and your energy and just sharing this with me here. Thank you. So I'm going to do a quick intro because I want sure. people to know who you are and drop okay. that drop that mic at okay. the end. Robert Edward Grant, an accomplished sculptor, artist, and musician. Robert Grant additionally holds several patents and various intellectual properties in the fields of DNA and phenotypic expression, human, human cybernetic implantology, biophotonics, and electromagnetism. He has multiple publications in unified mathematics and physics related to his discoveries of quasi-prime numbers, a new classification for prime numbers, mm -hmm. the world's first predictive algorithm determining infinite prime numbers, and a unification wave-based theory connecting and correlating fundamental mathematical constants such as pi, Euler, alpha, gamma, and phi. Now, after a global collapse of current centralized financial systems, the mainstream narrative, and the peeling back of indoctrination on many layers, he delivers truth and math through art, public speaking, and a willingness to guide you into higher consciousness, I give you Robert Edward Grant. Wow. We have an audience. We do. <laughs> I'm, no, I'm known for my intros, so... Uh, there you I go. That, I hope that was, that was a good one. All right. <laughs> that was a good one. Well, how are you, Robert? It's been so I'm long. I'm really good. It's been a long time. You know, I'm trying to remember back to our last time we had a discussion... And it must have been about almost two years ago, I think. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, Time flies. I think you were you were just starting the process of creating your crypto project, mm -hmm. and I think that's mm -hmm. why I reached out. That's I was right. Like, oh, mm -hmm. I want to talk about this. This is great. Yeah. Quantum. It's like a quantum resistant uh, yep. project, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so we're going to talk about that. Uh, sure. But, but first, that that'll be closer to the end. But first, I want my audience to get to know you and who you are, why you are and why you got to this point in your life to be the person that everybody is looking to when it comes to fractal geometry and <laughs> cryptography now. <laughs> well, you know, it actually was born for me. I've always been good in math, but um, I didn't really make it a major part of my career until about, about almost 10 years ago, I would say. I got really, really deep into it. And part of it occurred after I had a very difficult crisis in 2016, where, you know, I experienced a, a really intense period of time of betrayal, which was hard for me to grapple with. And so I had to figure out kind of like, I questioned everything, you know, whenever you have something that is so far afield from what you would sort of expect, possibly, um, you have to kind of ask yourself the question why and it's not necessarily someone else's fault, maybe it's my life path or something along those lines. And 
that time I thought, well, how do I make sense of this objective world? And of course, math is the most objective of the sciences, at least we believe it to be. And so I thought, you know, let me just question everything. So I started from like chapter one, you know, line one, which was, does one plus one really equal two? Because around the same time, I was starting to understand that what I had perceived until that time, and I was in my mid-40s, um, I had perceived until that time and believed in facts. I was always looking for facts, you know, uh, fact, fact, fact. I want fact. I want objective judgment. I want all of these types of things that I can base my reality upon. And then when you have a crisis, you know, it really causes you to question all of your belief systems sometimes, if it's really intense. And that's what happened with me. And um, and I re then realized that, you know, maybe with a little wisdom and life experience, what I had thought was fact was probably more appropriately termed as a facet. You have to add an E into the, the word fact. And uh, the E, I always think of the Euler number because that's E in mathematics. And for those that don't know, it's kind of bound together with pi. And uh, it's a really important and beautiful mathematical relationship between Pi and and uh, and Euler. But Euler was discovered by Isaac Newton. And so I thought to myself, well, if Isaac Newton discovered it, there's some argument that it might have been Charles Napier, who was around the same time. But if it was, uh, if it was Isaac Newton, then why is it named Newton? It should be probably named Newton instead of Euler. And I started looking into it, and I found out that the name Euler, of course, comes from Leonard Euler, the mathematician, Swiss German mathematician, and Euler means owl, which we often mm. we often associate with wisdom. So you know, adding the e back to the fact uh, was actually then quite easy to understand because it's like adding wisdom into your life. Because you know, we all get stuck in this idea and notion that our perspective is the only perspective when actually that's not the case at all. And geometry really helped me to expand my perspectives to start to see. And of course, there is some objectiveness to our reality, but our interpretation of it, mm. of what occurs, is entirely subjective. And, you... and that's why a lot of people, you know, are, are sort of forlorn right now across society because they're like, wait a minute. Uh, yes, this happened, this particular, you know, happenstance occurs, and everyone has an entirely different viewpoint on exactly what happened. Yeah, and so yeah. that starts to really cross lines and people get confused on what is truth and what is not truth. And maybe facet is a better way to uh, approach it because facet sort of describes a prism, right? Where you've got many facets and there's a whole truth, a larger truth. And maybe the highest consciousness is being able to perceive all possible facets. Oh, I love this. I, I saw, I actually saw the reel that you posted just recently mm -hmm. uh, talking about that where, where wisdom with fact is 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 a fa is a facet mm -hmm. um would you say that that's just another another way to describe discernment yes you know i i think it i think it definitely is i think it definitely is one aspect of that um you know it, incidentally it's pretty funny because you know euler is the number value is 2.718 so you know one thing that's easy to remember about this too is that it relates to a triangle as well because mm -hmm. both euler and pi together make a triangle which is kind of beautiful so if you took two thirds uh, times pi and you add that to one third time Euler, you end up with 3.00048, which is like almost perfectly, you know, three as an integer. 
Yeah, yeah. And 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 you know, I can't help but associate that as well with light because uh, we always have Einstein's reference to the speed of light is three times ten to the eighth power, right? In in sort of meters per oh, second. Oh wow, yes, that's mm -hmm. amazing. I just read that mm -hmm. just the dot just connected there. Wow, mm -hmm. and and it's three point zero zero, right? So you three point zero zero zero. Oh yeah, and the zeros. speed of light yeah. is two hundred ninety nine thousand seven hundred and ninety two right so uh you know or you can oh, say is that the difference million. oh no yeah yeah That's so it's amazing. really really close to three right it's yeah. super close to three because it would actually be three it would be two nine nine seven nine two four five eight meters per second right is the speed of light at versus you know three point zero 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 four eight that's very close when you look at that and that's times 10 to the to the eighth power so maybe there is something kind of associated with light. And I believe fundamentally there is something associated with light and with pi and with Euler. Um, and and I, I think that uh, one other thing that's kind of funny that helps you remember the Euler number is that an owl is unique as an animal because it's one of the only animals that can turn its head right on its neck 271.8 degrees, which also happens to be the Euler number. That's amazing. That's God like, hey. I'm here. Yeah, that's like a wink, right? That's <laughs> yeah, like yeah. a. <laughs> it's totally. not a coincidence. Yeah, that's right. Not um, a coincidence. Wow, you know what I just I had? I got a, as you were talking. Uh, people probably watched me going like, "Wait a minute!" I had a download for a second. Would you say that this is essentially mathematical proof of uh, essentially like the law of manifestation? And and you know they they do you know the double slip experiment where mm -hmm. the observer yeah. experiment. Mm -hmm. I'm just putting the dots together and it all has to do with light. So would you say that the more you are in the wisdom of the facts, the, the, the quicker and more efficient you manifest that reality that, that your perspective I think, is? I think as we start to perceive that what we had seen before was only one facet, and as we start to expand our perception to include other facets, two major things happen. Number one is, you start to be able to feel empathy for everyone else's position on things. Mm -hmm. And you're no longer so hardcore judgmental. Okay. The other thing that happens is your association with time. In other words, the things that once you transcend duality, because time is just the biggest dualistic perception, past and future is a duality, right? No matter how you look at it. And you could say we're always in the moment of now or we're never in the moment of now because it's so it's an instant, it's gone, right? As soon as I say that was now, that was already past. Mm -hmm. So you could say that a persistent perception of duality is what we call our perception of time. And as soon as you start to see other perspectives, your perspectives on time start to also shift. And additionally, the time that it requires for you to manifest things into the material form uh, also becomes much, much less. Like it becomes very fast. So this because is because time uh, is an illusion, right? Because it's not about right. the speed. It's 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 how how aligned you are, I guess, at that point. Yeah, right? I, I ascribe to the notion of hermetic wisdom, which is that you know we live in a mental universe, and so if it's a mental universe, then the only thing in this mental universe is you know that could be opposing you is yourself right as a you, mental you are your construct. own limitation yes because yeah. and i firmly believe that too you know i believe that the only real obstacles that we face in life are the ones we allow ourselves to continue to believe in 
wow, this, this is a powerful, um, conversation right now. Uh, so let, let's expand a little bit on this. If that is truth, if what you're speaking is the natural order of being a human being, this reality, what is mainstream? What is the mainstream trying to do then? Uh, Cause usually what I've noticed is the mainstream, what the narrative is, is always trying to like, trying to bastardize what is supposed to be natural. So what is, what is the inversion of that? Like, is it the metaverse? Is it, is it, you know, escapism? Um, you know, I, I actually think that maybe, I, first of all, I don't believe in the concept of, uh, of artificial intelligence. And the reason I don't believe in the concept of artificial intelligence is because all intelligence is just intelligence, right? The entire mm. universe in the mental construct. So if one of the creations of this construct, and I would say that, and I'll just say it straight out, I believe strongly we live in a simulation. And the simulation theory is the most viable of all theories right now from a physics perspective. And and they've already been referring to it this way, just not necessarily calling it this. Yeah. I had dinner the other night with the um, with a professor at UCI. Uh, his name is uh, Donald Hoffman. And he's the world's expert on mathematical mapping of consciousness. Fascinating down to geometric forms and structures. And I've got a whiteboard session coming up with him and another very well-known academic mathematician who is also ascribes very closely to the same, uh, you know, sort of way that I looked at the world as really being a holographic simulation. And that's based on our own mind, on our mm -hmm. own belief systems. So what you're going to experience, so as soon as we say the mainstream or we say, the industrial complex or whatever creates some them out there, the boogeyman. That's really just another aspect of our own projection from our own consciousness, the part of ourselves that we reject, right? And so the more oh, we continue to reject yes. it, the more we continue to reject it, the more it will come up. And the more we judge it negatively, the more we will experience the negative aspects of it. So I, I tried now living in this world and understanding this principle that I am my only worst enemy, right? Uh, and I believe we all are. Then I try not to, to judge it negatively. I just recognize that it's there because that in itself is also part of transcending duality. Right? How do we move beyond this dualistic frame and realize that everyone's going to have their own different viewpoint on what the interpretation of what happened is, and most people get stuck on this. You know, we all think that, oh, the world happened to us. This was bad. It happened to us, yada, yada, yada. Woe is me. Um, but really, 90% plus of what happens to us isn't really what happened to us. It's what we believe happened to us. Yeah, it's the story we created about what we, like, we anticipated it. And so we created the story. And then that happened because we created the story before it happened. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I was starting um, to think, contemplate this the other day. I was driving home and I was like, okay. How could you play with this idea? Because we know that when there's a murder or a major crime scene and there's eyewitnesses, there's always like drama in the courtroom because the eyewitnesses all give entirely different accounts mm -hmm. of what happened, right? So you could start with one man kills another man, right? And so then that must be murder. And if that's all the information you had, right, without the rest of the sentence, and the rest of the paragraph without the context, you could say, well, he killed this other man. Or you could expand on it. And then you could say, okay, one man killed another man because the other man was attempting to kill him. 
So now you've changed the rest of the context, but we've expanded the context now. So I've I've got more dimensions to be able to see. It's not just an x-axis. I've got a y-axis on it now too, mm. right? And I could continue to add axes to that perception by adding more to the sentence. One man killed another man because he was attempting to kill him, right? Because the man, the first man that I met, mentioned man one, had killed the family of the other man. I, was, I knew you were going to flip it back. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. You see how this can go back and forth? And I could, and I, this could go on endlessly. And yeah. it could be, oh, because the reason why he killed the family was because his family had been murdered, right? His parents and family had been murdered by this, right. this man, right? I mean, isn't, that, isn't that like the story of Israel uh, and, and you know, the, 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 the oldest war happening right now is because it's all ancient families killing each other. Yeah, I mean, that, that's bad other. estate planning. You know, that, yeah, yeah. that's the, <laughs> the story of Israel was... You had this guy, you know, Abraham, who was very old, about 100 years old, and his wife was 90 years old, and uh, they tried to have children their whole lives, and, you know, he was quite wealthy, and so he had no heirs to pass it on to. So finally, the Lord says, okay, you could take one of your, you know, one of your servants and your concubines, I guess, um, and um, the, the, the second wife was, was Hagar. So Hagar became the second wife, and she had a son with Abraham and the name of the son becomes Ishmael and he's 13 years old. And at, at, you know, at that point, then Sarah in her old age, she's probably over, you know, 90 plus years old at this stage, right. she ends up having Isaac. And so who gets the birthright? Isaac, <laughs> right? Isaac gets the birthright. And so of course, Hagar has to leave. But then when you listen to the story from the other perspective, it it seems really unfair to the other side as well. Mm -hmm. So you know Abraham gets the blessing of all the abundance, and you know the his his seed will will number you know the multitudes of the earth, et cetera, et cetera. And and so they really messed up because they didn't have a good estate plan to say here's what it's going to be, yeah, right? Yeah. And when they had an unexpected circumstance occur, and of course both sides then make it their story and say. Well, you know, we're the birthright. No, we're the birthright. No, we're the birthright. They both claim Abraham as a father. And, you know, it, it just becomes a he said, she said. And what, what occurs then is you have to recognize this where it comes back to fact versus facet, right? Everybody will fight for what they believe to be their ethical only choice, their only ethical choice. And what a surprise. It usually always benefits the person who's making the determination. Mm. So we can't separate very easily and say, gee, the reason why I liked that was because it benefited me. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> um, I, let's keep on this fact facet uh, tangent we have here or, or, or uh, thread. Have you had any experience with censorship? You know, um, you get a lot of yeah. fact checker, mm -hmm. fact checkers. Mm -hmm. Now I'm now I'm thinking we need facet checkers. <laughs> yeah, I had. <laughs> you know? Yeah, totally. Um, well, I think that's what Elon was trying to do when he fact-checked the White House too, right? Which is oh, right, right. I saw. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think uh, I have experienced some censorship, but I don't believe at this point, I don't believe it was because of what I wrote. I believe that it was an AI bot, you know, that was programmed to look for certain search words. And because I was telling a story about Egypt, 
I had used the term ISIS. And I said, Osiris and ISIS. And I got, you know, basically censored because uh, it was at the same time as ISIS-K was like a really hot topic, which was the terrorist group. Right, right. And so, uh, so that was part of the reason why I got censored. Another part of the reason I got censored was because on the same post, I had drawn a uh, like an altar at the top of what looked like a pyramidal structure with seven steps, and the seven steps were basically towards the alchemical bath. And at the top of this altar was a tree coming out of a bath, and it said Alpha Chi Omega on it. And it just so happened the exact same day was the day, and I hadn't seen it yet, was the day that uh, the milk crate carton challenge had gone out. Oh. Oh. Which yeah. was seven oh, steps. Oh, yes. Where everybody was like trying to jump it or something, right? Which was, no, they try to climb it without it oh, all climbing. collapsing, right? Right, right, right. How do you climb the milk crate cartons and it has to get seven high without it collapsing? People were breaking their legs and stuff like this. It was like crazy milk crate challenge. And it's funny because here I was, I, I had drawn this, not even thinking about the milk crate challenge and the milk crate challenge showed up in the world on the same day, which was like weird, right? That's yeah. just weird. And so yeah. the AI bot looked at the shape of the drawing and said, he's promoting milk crate challenge. Mm-hmm. So, so this was, um, you know, <laughs> two aspects. And then the third time that I've, I've been, Uh, I would say fact-checked a couple times, and usually they were really funny kind of dumb things. One of them was a quote by Marcus Aurelius Mm -hmm. that basically said that lawyers were like the lowest part of society. And of course, who's doing the (laughs) fact-checking? A bunch of lawyers. They're like, this can't be true, damn it. That is funny. That is funny. He did say it. He did say it. That's the stupidity of it all. And that's the kind of bullshit that's happening, right? But look, it's all me. That's what I, I'm not blaming anybody else. It's all me. And that's, I think, one of the big things you have to recognize at a certain stage. The wisdom that comes in is that, wait, I've been in control of it all along. I just didn't access that aspect of me. And now as I start to access that aspect of me that's been in control of it all along, I get more and more control over it. But then I really have no right to bitch about anything. You know, this is actually going into a really interesting um, path here because, it, uh, you know, I want to wrap it back into crypto and that's because I'm just the crypto guy. Um, I, I've, I've taught this in my class that we went from, you know, bartering uh, to trading, uh, you know, back uh, just, well, I guess that, that is bartering, trading, and then to uh, commodities, gold, and then to paper money, and then to digital money. And then people think it's blockchain. I was like, no, no, no. There's a, there was a path in between there, social media. Yeah. And, and so now and blockchain. they're all converging. Right, right. Now it's all becoming one big thing, right? Uh, Elon Musk even talked about, we need a WhatsApp. And, so, and, and my platform as well. Yeah. We um, have the first decentralized, uh, decentralized quantum resistant social media platform coming out. The beta comes out on Monday. It's already been out in alpha for a couple of months. Oh, wow. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it, is it uh, built on your blockchain? Built on top of our chain. <laughs> and communities can even have their own crypto and everything. Oh, I'm going to have to talk to you about that after this interview. Maybe we should It's a wallet. It. It's an integrated wallet. It's a social media app. It's a encrypted messaging. You know, all the messaging on Telegram and, and WhatsApp, it, it scrapes your data. 
all of them scrape your data. Yeah. And then ours also, the next iteration in the future will also have a VPN integrated into it. Wow. This is great. Quantum VPN. <clears throat> yeah, this is great. Um, but yeah, so, so, so this is great because the question I'm at, I was going to ask is it, it seems like we are being, we are connecting, um, stronger and more, how do I say this? Uh, we're getting more connected to that energy that we're transacting. So social media, you know, it went from digital money to now social, to then social media, to then blockchain. In social media, we felt that immediately. Everybody's yep. trying to get the likes, getting the dopamine hits. And it is, in my opinion, directly connected to that individual's worth, self-worth. Yeah. Um, do you think the same thing is happening with blockchain? And do you see any way to stop that so that we can be more conscious of that connection to that energy? So, I mean, as far as the question of associating, you know, their own dopamine hits on likes, et cetera, like on social well, media. I, I, yeah. So, cause I'm asking like this currency? because, yeah, cause I'm asking because blockchain, in my opinion, is a gamification of abundance. It's, it's mm -hmm. people making mm -hmm. money in a fun mm -hmm. way. Mm -hmm. And, I, but I'm seeing the same traps from social media. I'm seeing people fall to the, the dopamine hit to, you know, the trading aspect of it. But there's so many, so many other solutions that blockchain brings that you don't need to get those dopamine hits where you can get the same solutions without trading, you know, the token that's part of the, the, the project. So I guess my question is, um, is there anything that we can do practice on a, you know, practice ourselves to not get sucked in like we did to social media? You know, you mean as far as like gambling? <laughs> as far as gambling, yeah. I mean, that's a, you know, that's a, that's what's happening in the crypto space right now. It's what happened with this FDX collapse. Everybody uh, trusted this guy, uh, you know, and he was lying through his teeth. Well, but, I mean, but, I but think... it was it was driven by, in my opinion, driven by gambling, driven by wanting to make money quick. You know. Oh, well, that's true. That is definitely true. Um, I think that this was a little bit different situation though, because. I think the risk profile is much higher with custodial wallets, hmm. right? So custodial wallets and exchanges are probably the highest area of risk right now in crypto in general. So if you've got money sitting inside of a crypto exchange wallet, you have to know it's not your money. Not your keys, not your crypto. Not your keys, not your crypto, right? So it's not your money. So they use that money to, it's like a fractional lending type scenario. And if there's a run on the bank, just like if there's a run on your bank, even though you think your money in your bank account is yours and it can't be taken, that's just because we have FDIC and we don't really have bank runs these days, haven't had in a long time, right? Uh, they were close, it got close during, uh, during the financial crisis. Mm -hmm. But, and in the beginning, if you remember the beginning of COVID, you couldn't even take out deposits of the bank. So they locked it down so that they would avoid these kind of bank runs and stuff. They wouldn't give you a certain amount of cash, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, if, if there's a run on the bank though, then your money's gone because that money is not actually yours. They're paying you an interest rate, but you're actually putting it all at risk. Mm -hmm. And the same is true with all these exchanges that when they use that, those funds and there's no regulation around them right now yet. And so it can get really whacked out and, and that's what we just saw, where you've got, uh, you know, very strange liquidity ratios. Now, I think actually he was, FTX was uh, subject to certain rules and regulations related to banking and AML, et cetera. Yeah, in the Bahamas, um, they do have, they do have mm -hmm. pretty good, good regulations there for that. They had some regulations, but 
you know, what he did, and well, at, of course the jury's still out, so I don't know, but the way it's being portrayed in the media, you know, it's being portrayed two radically opposing viewpoints are being portrayed in the media right now. Right. One is still like, like he's still a darling, <laughs> and the other is he's like the worst thing ever, right? And, right. you know, the truth is probably something in the middle. But the I think this one was a little bit different situation. Uh, if you have crypto, the best place to have it would be in you know in a non-custodial wallet. It needs to be a non-custodial wallet where you have your keys and it's your crypto and and you very soon want to also be in a wallet that's quantum resistant, right? Because so, that's I want to go I want to go into that. I want to go into that conversation. I've had many a people recently, and I don't know why I started circulating again, but they're like, well, this is all going to go away if, if when they come out with a quantum computer. So I guess the first question is, do quantum computers already exist? And yes. if not, okay, and if, if they do, uh, how does your uh, project differ from the other projects that are out there uh, that are blockchain-based? Well, all the projects that are out there that are blockchain-based, um, are utilizing something called uh, SHA-3 you know, encryption, which is generally you know, tied to two parts. You've got an AES encryption as its, as its basis, which is you know, believed to be quantum safe, although there have been some groups out of Switzerland, et cetera, that have claimed that they've inversed the hash function successfully. And so that's one aspect to know about. But you should know also that all of the, the transactions that happen on blockchain are made possible through public key cryptography and public key cryptography is not AES. It's not quantum resistant. So public key cryptography would be elliptic curves um, and also uh, RSA encryption, right? So these are public key addresses that allow me to send you something. And let's just say you have a number and there's two prime factors of that number. Now mm -hmm. in an elliptic curve, it's slightly more complicated than that because it's related on exponentiation. And, and modular arithmetic, but it's still the same basic function, right? Because exponentiation is still multiplication, right, of a sort. And in addition to that, the, the modular arithmetic function is, is not that much more complex. So the, the two things work together to allow you to have an address that I could send something to your address, right, as an encrypted file. And then it's it, it's been very convenient because that allows me to send you a transfer of information or funds or whatever it is. And it's the same structure that's used in all the banks too, right? And at the basis of it, inside of it, there's an AES encryption, but the AES key, the key to that encryption goes with the public key wrapper. So the public key elliptic curve sends the key for the AES. So if you crack the public key, you have the key to the AES and you can unlock the AES. So that happens with every transaction on, is it Bitcoin? Yes, network? yes, it does. Wow, I didn't know that. That's cr yep. crazy. Why would they? I mean, it makes sense the way you're describing it now. Wow. Yeah. So, so quantum computers can very rapidly perform the mathematical tasks to crack both elliptic curves and RSA encryptions. So it's a, it's a, you know, if I said to you, okay, give me the two factors of 35, it's easy, five and seven, you have it memorized. It's in your, it's in your RAM, right? You've got it in your brain. But if I said to you, what are the two prime factors of 12,193, how would you go about finding it? Well, you'd start to do a whole bunch of calculations and maybe you take the square root of 12,193 because you know that's going to give you a number kind of in the vicinity, which would be 110.4219. And you might then test all the 
adjacent prime numbers around that. So what's the next prime number beyond, you know, 110? So I might test, you know, up. So I might go 111, 113, right? And then I'm going to go down. Well, how far do I have to go down? There's actually a whole, you know, relationship geometrically that mm -hmm. separates the sum of two integers and the product of the same two integers. And, and that becomes a right triangle relationship that we also discovered. But, and we wrote a paper regarding, but what that means is that, you know, for a quantum computer, it can perform this task very easily mm -hmm. compared to standard computers. So the U.S. government knows this, and that's why they put out a memorandum, like an edict, right, from the White House last year. Actually, it was the early part of this year that required that all government agencies need to switch over to quantum-resistant encryptions by the end of this year. Now, they've had a tough time because the government can't do anything that fast, right? Imagine every single file has to now be converted from an old encryption method, which is the same one that's on blockchain. Mm. I'm talking Bitcoin, everybody. And it's harder to fix on blockchain because it'd be hard to say, I'm going to do this standard going forward when you need the chain's integrity from the beginning of time yeah, to be good. Yeah. Yeah. So it's much more difficult to fix on blockchain than what people understand and know. Okay. So, so basically the government's now said every agency of the government cannot be on elliptic curve or RSA encryption anymore. You can look it up. You, you can just Google it. You'll find it. It is absolutely true. Now, the only encryptions that are approved uh, for this would be one-time pads, which is what the nuclear codes are based upon. Mm -hmm. And they approve three new methods as well, a couple of which... Uh, have already been cracked by standard computers. So it's not looking great over at NIST, to be honest, right? But hey, whatever. The point is one-time pads work. One-time pads, however, are very challenging to implement on top of blockchains. They're very challenging to implement in general because the keys have to be very, very long. Mm -hmm. So one-time pad means that if you're going to send me a one gigabyte file, that's a billion character file. I have to actually have a key that's a billion characters long. Hmm. Each key character is hmm. encrypting each character of your message text. Gotcha. Yeah. So that's why it's super strong. It can't be cracked. And, and you know, we've had terrorists along the way that have probably have tried to get control of our nuclear codes at one time or another. We've seen umpteen movies about people doing exactly that. And, uh, and it hasn't happened because one time pad can't be cracked when used properly. Mm -hmm. So what we had to do at Crown Sterling was to innovate and create a system that allowed for one-time pad usage by compressing the keys and making them rapid, right? So we, we had to really innovate and file patents on this and random number generation to ensure that we never use the same keys twice either, which mm -hmm. is also another important aspect of this. And we successfully implemented that, and it's the foundational basis now of our encryption security protocol. So one-time pad, we're the only ones with a one-time pad blockchain. So so is Bitcoin, I mean, I, I think I've asked you this before, is Bitcoin like up for grabs if with these quantum computers? If, if what you're saying is true, that, the, that with a quantum computer, they could a transaction and get the private key from the transaction? Yes. <laughs> that's such uh, why isn't this big news right now why is this not being Look, discussed? haven't we already had a bad enough year come on dude <laughs> <laughs> i'm just i'm just like well it makes me question then 
the future of Bitcoin. I always, I always relied on that because like everything else, in my opinion, everything else that has a founder or CEO you're, 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 and it's public, you're, you're going to be opening the doors to the scrutiny of centralized government. Always, always. True, They're going to go, true. oh, you, let's, let's look at you now. And so Bitcoin to me was like the one. I was like, all right, well, this one at least was organic and there's no person we can point to and say they're the founder. So what's, what, what, are, what is your perspective on the future of Bitcoin? Well, I think that, you know, obviously projects that are truly decentralized uh, based on the principle of decentralization, I think are critically important. Yeah. Um, and that's why, you know, one of the things that we had to do is we're launching our messaging app. It's called Orion, actually, Orion. One of the things that we had to do with it was to uh, make sure that we would not be held responsible for what people wrote on their messaging, right, between other parties and stuff. Because uh, I don't want to, that means you have to monitor it, and I don't want to get into monitoring people's stuff. Yeah. Right. And we we will have the software already make sure that you can't post things like child pornography and stuff like this. But the the thing is, is that we we wanted to be able to stay away from you know the monitor monitoring of it because that sort of kills the integrity of the platform. We believe in free speech, mm -hmm. and you know the very first amendment of our Bill of Rights is you know it's it's basically embedded into our Genesis block, and it's that we believe that data is the intangible personal property of the original producer, and therefore it's protected by the constitutions in virtually every country, and. In addition to that, our first amendment to that was we believe in, you know, upholding, sustaining the the right to free speech. And and we fundamentally are of that feeling and thinking. So in order for us to effectively roll this out, we had to make sure it was decentralized. Hmm. Because if everything's on my server, then the government could show up to me and say, we want you to open this message. We think this guy, we've got probable cause or whatever. We want to be able to go in and, and and nab this villain. Well, I actually don't have control over it because it's not on our servers, right? That's the, the aspect of this that's critically important. It's only up to the node validators. Mm -hmm. So the node validators are the ones, and there'll be tens of thousands, right, of right. node validators, and you have to get all of them to agree because we actually shard the keys, the cryptography keys. Everyone's getting tiny fractions of this, of these big keys, right? So they're sharded across the whole nodal network. So, and then also we wanted to make sure that by not having it on our servers, we're not storing anything either. So everything's on IPFS. Are you, um, are you, uh, be, are you going to be able to create NFTs or upload video? Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're a layer one blockchain. Nice. We're a layer one blockchain. Uh, it's our, it's our own blockchain. And uh, people can build on top of it. We have more than 70 companies that have told us they would like to build on top of it uh, right away. Because, and I think what's going to happen is a lot of companies are going to have to migrate over to a chain like ours as well, because it's going to be impossibly difficult for them to just do a cutover of a new encryption modality across an entire blockchain. Oh, like to jump from one, one project that already exists to yours, you have to redo the whole thing because it's, it's based on SHA-3 and not quantum resistance. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I'm so glad I'm talking to you about this because I'm actually about, I'm starting the process of creating my own web three community, uh -huh. uh, just, just getting people into the space. But eventually I do want to create my own marketplace. So here's own, what you should thing. do. This is, you're a perfect person for this. There so you, you should, you should use Orion app, which then allows you to have your own community. You can even have your own crypto in it. You can have it be like points within your community or however you want to incent the people within your community. 
right? And you can have your own market exchange within there as well and marketplaces for whatever products and services. And I, I launched a social media company almost 10 years ago doing this. It turned out to be a huge success. I, I don't believe in advertising models because as soon as you go with an advertising model, then it starts to kill free speech. The very first step into that kills free speech. Because, yeah. I mean, someone's going to buckle along the way and someone's going to say, oh, I'm not going to advertise on here unless you stop, you know, promoting what sounds like, you know, a, a woman's right to choose, yeah. for example, right? Whatever it is. So I won't advertise anymore. So then people are like, there's a lot of pressure inside an organization. First of all, we've decentralized it. So there's no such type structure that we would have. But I don't believe that that advertising adds to the strength and the care and feeding of a community. Right. And I yeah. think that the people should be able to know correct principles and govern themselves. I agree. hundred um, percent. We're not dumb. People are not dumb. Most mm -hmm. people, most people, in my opinion, uh, are critical thinkers. There are, there are looking at things with, with a critical mind. It's main, mainstream is really painting a picture of humanity as being this dumb animal that doesn't know what they're doing and needs, and needs direction, needs guidance. And it's like, nah, man, we don't need you. <laughs> we're good. So, you know, I just had this thing come up where, one of the guys I know ran for Congress recently, and and I asked him, you know, what kind of tools do you guys have to like before you meet, you know, constituency type people? And he said, oh, I have this app, and he shows me this app, and and he goes, you're even on the app. Let's look you up. So I looked it up, and I'm like stunned as I'm looking at my phone, and there's 56 pages just on me, the 56 pages. And he pays like, you know, 500 bucks a month or something like that for the app, you know, to have access to it just in Southern California, but it, you can get it all across the country. Every single person of voting age is on it. And I can know exactly where they stand on every issue. Whoa. <laughs> Even so down to the nuance level stuff. And I can see their home address. So if I, if, if I got in control of the government and or if someone gets control of the government that's like Gilead and it's like straight out of Handmaid's Tale, they could literally identify who all the dissidents would be against them, right? It's all there. So I, I'm talking nuanced stuff down to the level of whether or not I allowed people to work from home during COVID or I made them come to the office as soon as it was possible to come back to the office. Right? That level of detail, even to the point of, yes, you're, you're for a woman's right to choose, but you don't believe in late stage, like after month six abortion, right? Like that detail, that's that specific. detail. That's they knew crazy. my kids wow. go to private schools. They wow. knew, oh, it was mind boggling. And, and so I, I asked him, I'm like, how did you get all this data? He goes, oh, we get it straight off of like, you know, WhatsApp and, and Telegram and all these, they scrape your data. Yeah. Yeah. And then they, and then they, they aggregate it into one app. It makes me wonder, uh, because these are like, you know, there's, there's apps out there, in my opinion, that exist that aren't accessible to the normie, the normal person. Uh, and that sounds like one of them, <laughs> one that aggregates the scraped data from all the social media platforms into one space. So you can pay monthly and have access to it. No. And it was crazy because the guy that was showing it to me was the founder of the company. He's a nice guy. He's a mathematician. And he was like showing me, he's like very proud of it. And I was like, <laughs> very proud of it. Yeah. Mortified. Right. I still <laughs> gave him a book though. I said, here, read my book. Maybe it'll help you somehow. But, <laughs> but the point is that, you know, I, I think that what we don't know is we all think that telegram is safe. Did you know that telegram, unless you mark at the very beginning of a chat that you want it to be a secure chat, none of it's encrypted. Yeah. Yeah. 
and and that can only be you can only encrypt chats between one-on-one -on -one participants mm -hmm. not groups so what the hell's the point everyone was like like this is the problem we've got right it's like everyone just missed entirely that one including me and I, my CTO told me that I was like, are you kidding me? Because one of the things we built into ours is that every single message, whether it's one person or a group of a million, we have no limit on how many people can be on a chat group and mm -hmm. our platform. Oh, that's cool. And it's all one time pad encrypted, all of it. Now, Steve. someone could be subpoenaed, mm -hmm. but then it's your choice. It's not Big Brother, the company allowing surveillance. Yeah, I, I've I've uh, gone down that road too of like what's what is legal, what is lawful, what is in the public, what is in the private, like how you structure yourself to uh, creates that jurisdictional chasm. Um, but yeah, Telegram, you know, I want to say it's because at the time you had Instagram, Facebook, YouTube censoring a lot, and Telegram just wasn't censoring as much, and so everybody thought, oh, this is where the free the freedom is, and then everybody was just jumping to Telegram. But you're right. There is no, there is no encryption. There's no, um, and there's even in there, in there, uh, when you click, you know, you accept it, that they can censor you. It's actually a part of their thing that allows them to censor if they want to. Uh, they just hadn't up until recently. Actually, I, I just heard recently that they started censoring and deleting stuff and saying, what like, were they oh, censoring? No, just uh, the same thing. Like this goes against community guidelines. So I think it was just the algorithm, the, the bot that they embedded in there and they started picking up on the words because now AI can read the words on pictures. And so now the, the pictures themselves are getting flagged. Um, honestly, I don't remember. I think I was on a David Avocado Wolf's stream and his telegram, he, he posts everything on there. And so there was a few that I saw that had a, it was blurred out and said, this is goes against community guidelines. Um, so it is happening. It's happening now. So that's why your your platform is so Whoa. important to exist. Wow. Well, it has to be decentralized for you to protect that. Exactly. Otherwise, yeah. you won't be able to protect it because everything is going to be, this goes against community guidelines. Any alternative view on anything is going to be canceled. And I'm sorry. I just told you at the very beginning of the call that I, I went from you know, realizing that my my facts weren't facts at all, but actually just facets. And I needed to expand my perspectives so that I could see different facets of other people's viewpoints. And now what you're saying is that that won't even be possible in society. Unless that's... something is done. And that's why we built the platform we built. And I'm very excited about it. And it's, uh, you know, I think people are going to start realizing that the amount of money that you're paying for your messaging apps and for your social media participation right now is massive. You just don't know it. It's being scraped and sold to all these kind of different apps and all the advertisers and everything. So they know exactly what to say to you to placate you and to speak your, to your subconscious mind. It's really kind of dystopian and spooky. You know, so, so I, I've spoken with, with people about this and, you know, it's always like, oh yeah, they're just trying to sell you stuff. They're just trying to sell you stuff. I don't think we're, I don't think they're trying to sell stuff anymore. I think, I think we got into a place now where they want to know how they can control you. And so they're trying to take on, take in, take the information to figure out, okay, how can we create the pressures in this specific type of person so that they do this action? Yep. <laughs> but at the same time, it's all us somehow, right? So this is all reflection. Right. So as we right. raise consciousness, you're going to see there's another aspect of society in order for light to get brighter and brighter and brighter. You've got to have a backdrop that gets darker and darker and darker, right? And it's like, 
so crazy. I was listening to this thing this morning uh, by Jordan Peterson, and I don't really listen to him very often, but he made a comment. He said, you know, when I was working at the university, um, I had one of my students writing a dissertation type paper on left-wing authoritarianism. Hmm. And, and the school board came back, you know, the university, and basically kind of put an end to the paper because they said there's no such thing as left-wing authoritarianism. <laughs> I'm like, uh, wait a minute. How about the living despots and dictators that we know that we've all referred to as communist dictators? Hello, that is a left-wing authoritarian, but this is a cancel culture issue, yeah. right? Yeah. Castro was a left-wing authoritarian, right? Uh, Justin Trudeau is a left-wing authoritarian. And you could say Xi Jinping is a left-wing authoritarian. I mean, wake up, people. We we have Kim Jong-un and Kim Il-jong, right? All of these guys, uh, Kim Il-sung, before them, they're all left-wing authoritarians. They run on platforms. Hitler was a left-wing authoritarian. People don't realize that. Yeah, They always run on left-wing platforms that are far, far left. Social de Democrat is usually what they call it. And, and they try to say, well, let's make everyone equal, but some are more equal than others. And the father figure is going to make sure that everyone complies. Hmm. Right. People that call themselves Antifa right now, they're fascist. Yeah. Right? It's it's literally like uh, it's what, we, what I said earlier. It's almost as if they take the thing that is supposed to be the natural definition or the natural way, and then they completely flip it and then do 100%. the exact opposite. Yeah. 100%. So this is the thing is that as consciousness expands and rises, right, there will have to be, it's, it's like, have you ever noticed how in movies like Lord of the Rings, you know, for magic to re return to the land and for Gandalf to get all of his extra powers and everything, orcs have to show up somewhere. The darkness. Yeah. The darkness is what makes it like this light. And all of a sudden it's differentiation and these iridescent, cool, you know, more, striated and and gradations of color can now be perceived that's a it's a very different thing but in that world environment in order for that to exist you also have to have the equal opposite of it because in the universe every action must have an equal opposite reaction and, and i i agree with you that it seems like right now we're collectively going through the the, the hero's journey i think you just posted this actually on your on your I instagram did. Mm -hmm. And, and you have to go through the darkness. You have to look at the boogeyman in the eyes, whether that's the systems, your current limitations, whatever it is, until you do that, you're always going to be holding on to what feels familiar and what feels comfortable. I totally agree with that. It's funny. We had an offsite meeting for one of my companies recently, and we brought together a group of people. And one of the people that I asked to help facilitate was one of the world's experts on Joseph Campbell's hero's journey. Hmm. He's a guy by the name of Don Daglow, and he's now on our advisory board. And he worked uh, as one of the earliest employees at, employees at Entertainment Arts, you know, the gaming company and everything. And and he integrates, he has integrated into games like Fortnite, you know, very, very big time games. Uh, he's integrated Hero's Journey principles into it. Right? And, and then you've got little variations all around it, but the thematic is still the same. Right. Because yeah. it's a human being thematic. It works in every mythology. It's every Tom Cruise movie. 
it's definitely always about hero's journey. And even Egypt and its mythology is based on hero's journey. Osiris is the story. It's the ultimate hero's journey story. We're just not yet in the third. We're just now entering the third act of that story. You know, as I just interviewed um, this person, his name is Brett Pike, and he's doing, he's, he's called the classical learner. He's, he's creating a, an alternative education system for kids. And he talked about that. He talked about the hero's journey and how um, there is a format for the elites. When you go to uh, those elite universities, they teach in a way that um, allows you to go through the process of learning about the hero's journeys from the past, then go into critical thinking, then implement, then integrate. But it always they always learn first the the myth, the mythologies the the Greek the Greek uh, stories mm -hmm. and it's interesting because like right now what's happening right now in society it's almost as if we are creating some of those stories today mm -hmm. for you know them to talk about in a hundred years um, what's your perspective of everything that's happened so right now mm -hmm. with everything that you've researched everything that's been happening in the world the pressures that they're creating, the censorship. How do you see us moving forward? Do you see this having some sort of happy ending where we can then, you know, become the stories of the future? Or do you see us, you know, falling to the fear and, and just succumbing to the control? Um, yes and yes. So oh, I love I, that answer. Expand, please. <laughs> mm -hmm. I, I believe that a certain aspect of society will succumb to the fear and will live a certain paradigm that's going to be very, very brutal and hard mm. and increasingly dystopian, unfortunately. But I think the people that are able to um, sort of remove themselves from it effectively and create entirely their own paradigm of living uh, will be shielded from that. It'll be farther and farther away from them. And, wow. you know, they just won't, engage they're not to engage in those in those battles between you know uh kind of like re republican democrat there's there's a third poll that's emerging now hmm. this third polarity that's emerging is you know you we have yin yang well there's something in between called shen so it's a third poll so you've got blue and you've got red and now we've got a third poll that's green and that represents shen is is from also the Hebrew word sheen, which means spirit or fire. It's also sheen, pronounced sheen, the exact same thing in the Korean language, the same characters as there are in Chinese for shen. And in Japanese, it's sheen also. And sheen means the return of divinity on earth. So it's a divine construct of transcendence of duality. And I believe these people are going to have a very different existence compared to the people that remain in this battle you know, between good and evil and fighting and the people that end up moving into the other third pole are, are going to be mainly focused on love and acceptance. I have a theory on what that would scientifically be described as, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. Would you say that as, so you, you're, you're, you're essentially naming two different groups, one group that's essentially still embedded into that, that matrix, the fear matrix, and then this other group that is getting out of duality, becoming more love-based. Would you say that the cells, the, the frequency cells of the of this group that is going into love is, is speeding up? And these group, this group, their cells are slowing down. Would you say that it's it's we're going to be in a reality eventually where we, we will be like uh, the people that are higher vibe will be essentially invisible 
to the people in the lower vibe because the speed of the cell will be so quickly that they literally won't be able to visually see us? Well, I mean, if we went to like six dimensional, that'd probably be true, right? And that's why I would say that people talk about extraterrestrials and, you know, how they're going to make a big contact and everything. It's like, guys, uh, they've been here all along. Yeah, we just have, yeah, oh, I, oh God, it just gave me goosebumps, dude, because I, I feel like our cells are so suppressed that they're all there. We just can't see it because yeah, they're- exactly. They're They've been here all along. Yeah. They're just in higher dimension. And only people in higher dimension can see them. And what's happening now with the earth is that, you know, this energy is so strong coming in right now. And as we get closer and closer, returning to our sister star, Sirius A, the the vibes become super powerful. And therefore, if whatever you're thinking becomes accentuated and magnified and manifested, either positive or negative. So be careful what you think, because our thoughts form our judgments, our judgments form our words, our words are the basis of action, and our action become our habits, and our habits end up becoming our karma, our dharmic path. And this is uh, absolutely real. I'm telling you right now, I've noticed a huge shift in the speed of manifestation just in the last few months. And I think it relates to a global awakening of the throat chakra as well. There are three layers within the throat chakra. The first layer of the, of the throat chakra is self-aware. The next layer is self-actualized. And not many people actually get even up to the self-actualized level. But the third layer of the throat chakra, the throat chakra, a lot of people think it has to do with, you know, your voice and speaking out. And for sure it does. But it also has a lot to do with how you structure your logos and cognition around what this construct is, what the universe is. Wait, it's wait, how so, we so understand on the that. physics of it. Yeah, what do you mean it's by how logos? You order, it's, it's like the logos of ordering your world, ordering your thought process. So it's often gotcha. what we would consider with logos, but it's also tied very closely to the sex chakras too. So in particular, the throat chakra is tied directly to the you know sacral chakras. Mm -hmm. And What's happened now is we've gone into the third layer, which the third layer is called self-transcendence. It's, it's about transcending duality. The people that go up into that higher layer, literally, it's like things become instant manifestations from your thoughts. And goals. Hashtag goals. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's all about yeah. learning just to replace the judgments with acceptance in life. And most importantly... How do you stop judging negatively yourself? Mm. Because that's what the things that you negatively judge around, around about yourself are the things that get projected all around you instantly, because you're looking at the inside of yourself when you look into the outside world. That is just a reflection. So uh, the way I like to describe it, let's say I have like a pond right in front of me here. And this pond is connected because this field is connected to that field. I think I'm separate from this, but I'm not really separate, right? Mm -hmm. If I walk in a room, people will know. I had this just happen the other night. I ended up getting invited to this dinner. And I walked in. I was like 20 minutes late to the dinner. And, and as I walked in, like the whole room went silent. And I was like, what, what happened? I just sat down quietly at the table. And everyone else at the table were like, wow, you've made an entrance. And I'm like, I don't even know why that happened, right? But there's a frequency that you bring with you. There's a frequency you bring with you everywhere you go. And just as when someone that's a dark cloud walks in a room, you feel that. 
right? It's like the negative energy is like, whoa, what's that vibe? That's a low vibe. Or it's a very high vibe, right? So whatever you're doing inside of you, you can imagine that your vibe is like, you know, still water when you wake up in the morning. And your emotion is actually going to apply vibration to that. Mm -hmm. So let's say that that vibration is very choppy, right? Like this, it's pounding. It's going to cause waves to go outside of you that are rippling all around you that then change the morphogenetic field around you and the experience that gets reflected back to you. And everyone can feel it. Mm. Everyone can feel it. You're the only one who thinks that no one else can feel it, but everyone can feel it. So if you take it up to a very high vibration, there's a point where you could like vibrate water. It's just going to create geometric patterns, mm -hmm. right? That geometric patterns are going to be what ends up influencing the world around you. They're playing with something called the scalar potential or vector field in the morphogenetic field. It's creating this geometry all around you. Your thoughts are literally informing the reality around you on a moment by moment basis. So be careful what you think. And by the same token, people that are very low vibration right now are having a hard time in this new paradigm because everything has to be separated. Every action has an equal opposite reaction. Is it a coincidence that we have like 50-50 for Republicans and Democrats? No, it's just a function of polarity. Yeah. And the reason why we have one group win versus another, it's like the degree of anger. It's an anger measurement. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's all it is. It's an anger measurement. You know, everyone thought the Republicans were going to be more angry, and they were not as angry, and they weren't willing. A lot of Republicans didn't vote because they didn't like what happened with the with the abortion issue. Right. Especially here in Southern California. Right. My friend that ran for office, he lost by two points. So that was exactly taken from him because of the position and on on abortion because a lot of republicans just didn't come out mm -hmm. so i think this is this is a time more than ever before for us to be really mindful of our thoughts words and actions and seeing that they're all connected they're not really separate anymore and the time that it used to take you know when we we're in self-actualization level of the throat chakra you would be time bound still on manifestation but in the self-transcendence level, because you're transcending duality in part, and it's like peeling back layers of an onion. It's not like immediate for everybody. It just takes time, right, to get there. But once you're on the path, there's no reversing the path. Once you wake up, you can't go back to sleep. <laughs> no, it's you once you stretched your consciousness, you can't unstretch it. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's funny. I, 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 my biggest issue with most people that I do interviews and do phone calls with is not being conscious of time <laughs> time is for literally for me right now in my life mm -hmm. time it really is an illusion like i don't know what the day, day of the week it is like <laughs> it's really not good I, i'm very on the opposite end of the spectrum of like being um being organized but i could I probably go for like 10 more minutes if, if you if you oh yeah to. yeah uh, i was gonna say but uh what i've noticed is is what you just said is true that the amount of time that it takes to manifest something for me at least it feels like it's sped up it feels like things are aligning a lot quicker and a lot faster since I've let go of that concept of time. Very true. Because we, well, you know, we don't get what we deserve in life. We get what we expect. If we expect something's going to take a long time. I remember when we first started our cryptography project, we had one of the guys on our team uh, came from another blockchain company. And 
And he said, oh, I spent five years in my last blockchain company and, and uh, I left and we never got our project finished, right? And I said, how many engineers do you guys have? And he said, 40. And I said, well, that's your problem right there. Because to get many, a project- Too many cooks to in the point, kitchen. <laughs> too many cooks in the kitchen. You know, the best projects that I've seen that go, go quickly have 10 engineers or less. Mm -hmm. you, you can't, it's just really difficult. You got too many cooks in the kitchen, it becomes a nightmare. You're spending more time managing. It's like hospitals and administrators. The more administrators they have to manage shit, the more shit gets problematic in the hospital and the costs go way out of control, right? It's not the number of doctors or the number of nurses, it's the number of administrators. And this is, you know, <laughs> but it was funny because I was like five years for a blockchain. I'm like, dude, we're doing ours in, in like less than one year. Yeah, that seems and like it's, it's going to be up and running in less than one year. And if we're not, then something's really wrong. And he was like, well, I don't know if that could ever be done. It's like we did it. And it was up and it was on mainnet and it was tested. It was working great. And then, you know, now we've we've even spun up another additional blockchain, um, you know, that is not based on any other format but our own. So yeah. this is, yeah, that structure sounds like he's get, uh, trying to get create an excuse to create a company to 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 spend money on employees. Like he wants the structure, he doesn't want to complete the project. It doesn't sound like that. Well, I think that's the other problem that, that crypto has right now. So many projects, you know, the, a lot of people are forlorn right now. They don't even want to talk, right? Uh, I did right. a uh, investor call, not investor, but it was a coin token holder call uh, a few days ago. And I kind of gave a state of the union. They were like, what do you think about FT, you know, the whole FTX thing? And, and I was like, look, let me tell you a story about 2008 and where I was, right? I was sitting around a campfire up in Sonoma County in Northern California at Gavin Newsom's retreat place called Los Caneros Inn. We're there for a group that I was invited to be there uh, with, which was called McKinsey, McKinsey Consultants. And it was the number two conference that was hosted along with them by A.G. Laffley, who was the former CEO of Procter & Gamble. Hmm. And it was like a training and, and sort of mentorship program. McKinsey does it, and they bring the number twos of large corporations there so that, you know, they'll continue to get business when that guy becomes the number one at the company. Mm -hmm. And so I was sitting there, and next to me was the CFO of Broadcom, and another guy next to me was was the chief operating officer of Lehman Brothers. And it's October 7th, 2008. And- oh, So it was um, right before. <laughs> yep. And, yeah. and so he was, he got up, he got a phone call. He walked around the campfire area. And then he was like stressed out and he came back, he sat down and he was like, guys, I, I'm flying home right now. He goes, I got to take my private jet back. I'm like, what happened? He goes like, Lehman's going bankrupt tomorrow morning. Wow. So who got hurt during that time? The people that got hurt were the people that sold fast. <laughs> my house value went down. You know, I bought my house at near the peak. I bought one of my houses at near the peak. And, um, and you know, I never sold it, so I never got hurt. Now, I never got super duper underwater with it because I didn't take that much risk when I bought it in the first place. I didn't leverage it entirely. And, uh, and today that house is worth double, you know, more than double where it was when I first bought it. So, you know, I never got hurt. Of course I had to wait it out. It's been, you know, almost 15 years. That, that was my first home purchase and I short sold because <laughs> it was my first home purchase. I was like, I guess I lost money. I was 18. Yeah. Um, well, that's not bad. Hey, 
you got to look at that one and say, look, I bought a house and I'm 18. Yeah. That, then that, also that, that's you what say, I say. You might want to say at that point too, is like, yeah, maybe this is kind of jacked because I can buy a house when I'm 18. <laughs> yeah, that's also true. Right. It's the same thing yeah, with, yeah. with, you know, SBF, right. Sam Bankman freed, which is like, okay, this guy started the company in 2019. Let's be real. Mm -hmm. 2019 becomes a global phenomenon. Things are never as good as they seem, and they're never as bad as they seem either. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if it seems kind of like whacked out that within one year and a half, the guy is the largest donor to Joe Biden, something doesn't smell right. I'm still pulling on the threads. I'm still pulling on the threads. So, um, and also 28 years old, the guy doesn't know what he's doing. Come on. Yeah, he didn't yeah. know. He had no, and he's, and he's, um, he's, he, you know, I'll tell, I'll say this about him. He's, he's also autistic. He's, he has autism. Um, what I believe it's what you said. There's extremes right now on the story. Usually the, 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 the truth is in the middle. I believe he was just heavily influenced. And he's just like, oh, I guess this is how it's done. And just kind of went along with it. And then it just got too much, you know, and then he, oh, yeah. he lost no. control of it. Um, Look, I, I that's what it feels you, like. That's what it feels like to me, too. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't I'm not subscribing into all the nefarious stuff because, again, things are never as bad as they seem. They're never as good as they seem either. You know, I've I've been 30 years as a CEO. Almost 30 years I've spent as CEO of damn near... <laughs> I don't know, probably 15, 16 companies during that time, right? And many of them I'm doing simultaneous. I'm, I'm CEO of two companies in my portfolio right now. And then also I have to be a CEO of CEOs, right? Chairman of CEOs. And you know, one of the things that we did is we took the crypto, a lot of the leadership of the crypto industry to Egypt in April of, uh, of this year. Mm. And, and it was, I tell you, it was, it was fun because you know, we had we had Craig Wright there, right? Whether you believe he's Satoshi or not, no one can deny he was there at the beginning, yeah. right? He was definitely there at the beginning. And uh, and that was one of the challenges of my career, I would say, to, you know, be able to stand up in front of a bunch of CEOs, 50 CEOs of, of crypto companies and, and Bitcoin miners and everything, and really start to build a coalition. Because we see that, you know, we've got to become adults in the room Otherwise, it's going to be this type of experience with FTX over and over and over again. I've, I've said this, that like um, we have to create something that's different than the old system. We have to we have we can't perpetuate the same concept of uh, um, uh, flowing energy to the few. You know, it's like a, a, the pyramid flow of money. It's going well, to these the guys, you know, we had some really genius guys at this meeting in, at, in Egypt. And we had a great time. We spent the night in the pyramid. We did all this stuff like that. But we also had four days of lecture and and collaboration. And, you know, we sponsored it and, and, and it was great. People absolutely loved it. But what came out of it was that a lot of these people who have a massive amount of responsibility, they've never managed more than... 15 people before mm, and how you manage with a company with 15 people versus two, 300 people or a thousand people or many thousands of people is dramatically different. You know, I, I started out as an entrepreneur and 
I got lucky and sold my company and I thought maybe I don't know where my ass is with both hands. I can't find it. You know, I don't know what I don't know. So maybe I should learn what it's like to work in different company environments before I start a company again. So I went to work for large companies and I moved up the ranks of large companies and lived overseas. And I moved up even quicker up the ranks. And so I became CEO very quickly, even large corporations. At one point I had 27,000 employees. Wow. Wow, it's wow, a wow. very different game to have thousands of employees versus having 10 people. Right. It's a very different style of leader that the company requires. And knowing it's a very rare thing to have somebody like Jeff Bezos, who actually, you know, to his credit, and, and he's not exactly the nicest guy in the world, but to his credit, he studied the different leadership styles necessary so that he would not succumb to what's called the Peter Principle. The Peter Principle is when you're promoted beyond your level of competence. And that's hard for entrepreneurs. So Sam Bankman-Fried probably found himself, I feel, I feel bad for the guy, to be honest. He probably found himself out on a raft. And then he's like, shit, what do you do? And there's like, well, normally uh, you steal everyone's money and you get out of Dodge, right? Yeah. And like, really? Is that the only choice? Well, that's the only choice. But wait, that's not what I signed up for. Well, that's what we're doing, dude. Yeah. yeah. And and probably, and I, I'm not saying that that, you know, he was guilty or not guilty or whatever obviously the facts will be borne out with the facts and i'm sure there's going to be a netflix probably docudrama on this story okay let's be real yeah. it'll be just like we work and all the other companies or you know uh, elizabeth holmes and all these people that show up you know it's so funny i avoid like the plague and you could quote me on this all of my companies everything when the companies go public i try to stay out of the picture I don't go on the board even. I don't even, even though I'm a founder, even though I'm the largest shareholder, I try to stay out of the the limelight on that. And whenever someone asks me to be on the cover of a magazine, I'm like, no damn way. I because, like that. Well, why you know, do you do that? Why? Because the worst thing you could possibly do. Now, remember, in my personal life, I have a TV show, right? I have a TV show and everything. But even that is very curated. I wanted, I was very selective. I, I was asked by his hit, you know, history channel to do a show for them. And I was like, no, I, I want to have total control over it. So I did it with, with, uh, with Gaia instead, because I knew it was a curated crowd. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and I know there's an important aspect of my own path that includes sharing, but left to my own devices, I would probably just sit here at my desk by myself most of the day, drawing geometry and meditating and not really talking that much to people, to be honest, right? That So, and the reason is, I mean, if you look at it, you can literally track, one of my friends used to track this. He called it the stadium index. Whenever a company would pay for a stadium endorsement, so they become a stadium, yeah, like FTX stadium. Crypto.com. Crypto.com. <laughs> it's almost... To the day, within 24 months, the company crashes. Interesting metric. Wow. I got to look, look this it up. up. Yeah, I'm look going it up. to. <laughs> do it. Just do the analysis on your own. I mean, I remember when, when we had Palm Stadium up in uh, San Francisco Bay Area, then it crashed. It was, it's literally, you can, you can set a clock by it. That's interesting. You end up on the cover of Time Magazine or one of the major, major mainstream magazines on the cover, uh, that's usually not a good sign, right? 
Now, there's been some exceptions to it, but it's about a 80% plus hit ratio of correct. Man, I wonder if that's like, if that's them signaling the top, you know, and then and everybody's like, oh, now it's mainstream. Now we buy it, but now they're selling, you know, and then, and then things just... <laughs> <laughs> it's like the ultimate pump and dump, right? It is the all that's like massive level pump and dump scheme. Um, wow, wow, that's a, that's an awareness for me for sure. All right, I have one last question because I know you got to go. Shoot. Mm -hmm. You're standing in front of millions of people. You have a few sentences to say that you want to leave for humanity. What do you say? Rid your mind of all of your negative sort of uh, belief systems, as well as negative narratives on yourself. And start to experience the world in a way that is reflective of you loving yourself. And that will end up making you more easily become the change you want to see in the world. If, if you can get rid of the negative narratives that go on the side of your head, it's, it's the negative narratives that destroy your biggest ideas. It's not some other third party. It's not Sam Bankman-Fried, and it's not anyone else but you. You are your own biggest advocate, and you're your own worst enemy at the same time. Which side wins depends on the frequency you carry. Is that frequency one of love and positivity and optimism? Is it one of acceptance, or is it one of judgment and control? Is it one of criticism. Um, you know, you'll never be good enough. So we all have negative narratives. If we could change the negative narratives to positive narratives, or at least get rid of them altogether uh, at, at the base point, then you'll really see a major change in your life. Oof, love it. So everybody needs to become an alchemist uh, of energy, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Turn lead into gold. It's exactly is. what it is. You know, that's not, it was never about in my opinion, alchemy was not about really making gold out of lead. It was turning the things that we ascribed lead to, which is guilt and shame and difficulty, the things that we carry uh, as baggage through karma and through lifetimes, turn that into gold by learning how to love and accept even the fact that those things existed because they brought you on the path that you're at to where you are right now and it was for the highest and biggest and best benefit for you the universe doesn't happen to us it happens for us yes Woo, that i love that one right there that saying right there i've, I've heard it a few times uh when, when you have the ability to shift that the universe or the, the things are happening to you as opposed to happening for you uh that's when things well really now change. i ask myself the question when something bad happens i'm like why did i choose that Woo. Yeah. <laughs> That's like ownership and awareness all at the same time. <laughs> yep. Why did I choose it? It was good seeing you, Odo. You too, Robert. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you. Um, everybody watching, if you want to catch more on Robert, make sure you go to his website, robertedwardgrant.com, or catch him on Instagram, Robert Edward Grant. Uh, and your show, right? What's the name of the show again? It's Code X. C-O-D-E and then X. And you can watch the first episode of it. It's actually on YouTube and it's free. You don't have to be a Gaia member. Um, and it's been great. Even the trailers, the, all the trailers now together have like 13 million views, which has been fabulous. It's done That's well. awesome. I love it when like the people that I know start to become successful. It makes me so happy because I know that, that success begets success. So 
journey you, forward, Robert. Thank you so much. And I really appreciate you. And always remember, gamify your abundance. <laughs> Peace out, guys. Bye.